the one awoke in the middle of the night. A strange, strange feeling on his face, especially for the gulch. It was moist. An unwelcome visitor. The water droplets ran down into the corner of his eyes and off the corners of his chin. His strong, chiseled chin. He shot up out of bed and looked up at the ceiling of his camper. What the hell? Rain? In the gulch? Indeed, folks, it was very unusual. He ran outside where he had a shovel head recently dismantled. When don't you have a shovel head dismantled is my question. And indeed, it was pouring down. Flash floods imminent in the gulch. Duan and his motorcycle were washed away that night, never to be seen again. Moto One Podcast Network. Listening to Creative Writing, the motorcycle podcast so bad we received an ASBO in Wales. We've been voted best motorcycle podcast five times by David Caruso impersonators across the globe. Check us out on patreon.com forward slash creative writing to find out how you can support the show. All right, with no further ado, let's get into this week's topics, this week's shows, this week's arresting conversations. All right, everybody, welcome. This is Junk contacting you from the gulch. Not dry gulch, but wet gulch. And if it's wet, you know where it's at. It's BFG, folks. Welcome to the gulch. Hey, uh, if I sound different, it's because uh, dig this. You're going to listen to parts of this show that recorded a couple days ago when it was, you know, triple digits easily, you know, almost 105, 110, somewhere like that. 110% humidity. Temperature was 110. My emotions were 100. Everything was 110, all right? Get it? And right now, it hasn't stopped raining since this morning. Well, it, it rained this morning. Stopped a little bit, got really hot and muggy and uncomfortable. Started raining again around, I don't know, four this afternoon, three this afternoon, slightly after three, just just a little bit after three, and it hasn't let up since. What the hell, folks? What the hell? I'll tell you what it is. It's a uh, hurricane right off the coast. <laughs> we don't get those very often over here in California, but I guess there's one brewing down south near Mexico. And uh, so, yeah, I am recording inside Mikasa. So this microphone does not have pop filters, doesn't have any of the studio setup, just a little BTS, a little behind the scenes. Uh, if things sound a little different than they normally do. Hey, so let's get into this week's show. Um, we have a uh, disclaimer that we normally say at the beginning of each show. And if you're new to the show, I also do that awkward swallow like that it's in the script it says uh it says make statement partial statement swallow awkwardly finish statement tobor writes the script every week so he, he he thinks you know he's a robot if you don't if you're brand new to the show uh t-zero 
B0R3000 uh, is my robot, and he writes a script every week. So I just I do what it says. Uh, the disclaimer. This week, the views and opinions of the participants of the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast are those of the participants. Do not reflect the policy, position, or opinions of Creative Writing, Moto One Podcast Network, any of our affiliates, and any opinion is the respective participants. This is not intended to malign anyone or anything, even Joe's Mini Bike Reunion Riders. All right, everybody. Welcome to this show. Uh, we are brought to you, of course, uh, by Criders Leathers. Criders uh, taking advantage of America's most abundant, actually, I think it's North America's most abundant marsupial, the opossum. The uh, North American op- opossum. There's a couple um, different varieties. I think Mexico has a, a different type of opossum than we have here. And I think there's some in South America, different kinds. However, Criders has learned over the years to harvest these uh, benevolent, I don't know, is that a right word? Benevolent uh, pelts and turn them into, instead of uh, rotting away on the side of the road or in your backyard or in a rabies-filled pit somewhere, uh, some landfill, they, uh, they, they make leathers out of these, riding leathers. They're very, very affordable if you're getting into uh, supermoto or racing 250s, I recommend it. So, Criders Leathers, also Field Initiative Knives, our very own Chris Wiggins, bringing you his handmade, tailored, nay, handmade for Taylor. If your name's Taylor and you bought a Field Initiative, we could really have used you for this uh, cold read here. It would have been awesome. But handmade, hand-tailored, customized to you. Um, and if not, ask him. This is what I'm looking for. He'll do it. He's got a whole bunch of crap in the gra- in his garage. I've seen it. He's just sitting out all these blank knives. He'll do it for you. He'll make you a he'll make you a um, cleaver, whatever you need. But our very own Chris Wiggins making these field initiative knives from hand. Uh, they're in his garage in lovely wherever he lives, California. I know where he. Li- I have his address. Tobor wrote it down here actually, and he wanted me to read it, but I'm not gonna do that. That's crazy. Are you kidding me? Uh, also brought to you by Earth 911, a universal resource that helps you find your own shade of green. Earth 911 educates and informs consumers, businesses, and communities to inspire thought and facilitate Earth positive consumer decisions. Small changes by thousands of individuals will have a lasting positive impact and more ideas to make less waste. With topics like business, home and garden, living, Learning and more. Make earth911.com your next destination. Keep Earth's writing spaces beautiful and bountiful and full of boners. Tobor, you're awful. You're the worst robot. He's not even in here. He's out in the garage. I don't let him come in the house. He's he's dangerous, folks. I just will leave it at that. One of these days, you'll uh, you'll get to maybe meet him at an event. Uh, so hey, let's get into this week's events. On this week's show, we're going to be talking about moto camping, and uh, we got a couple. Uh, I had a chance to sit down with a few people. One of them while we we're camping, and uh, one of them while we weren't camping. We're going to hear all of that on this week's show. And before we do that. Let's take a quick break and get into this week's current events and news stories. Just current events. Tobor, we have a whole news show that we need to save the news for stories for. Why do you keep writing them down? 
All right, let's take a quick break and get into the current events. I love that stinger. You can hear that now. You can hear the rain right now. Let's not hold the microphone up toward the uh, ceiling. Might be faint because this is a really good noise-canceling microphone. But that, my friends, is the sound of Hurricane K off the coast of Baja, California, sending her rain up to L.A. Man, it was blustery today. Uh, around 3 o'clock, no, earlier than that, around 2 o'clock, 1 o'clock, something like that. Take a peek outside the window. It is just going nuts. Trees are blowing all about. Looks like looks like a giant is passing a leaf blower over L.A. You know, all these leaves going around, all these trees. The skies were dark, and it wasn't because it was overcast yet. It was because it was a dirt in the air you know we we're, we're pretty dusty here in socal with the desert being just to the east and uh you know not much not much rain over the last five years so dust clouds went in the sky and it reminded me of like you know the fact that pollution around here isn't always just what comes out of your your vehicle or out of your smokestack of your uh, hamburger factory or whatever you got um it's also moisture and dust in the air and it was nuts today how overcast it got and i was thinking man the dust bowl really must have been something to something crazy to experience i mean i long story short let's get into our uh current events that's what this little break was for so let's get to it happening in september i have no idea when and i still haven't found out when but MotoFest is happening in Coventry, and it's actually called MotoFest Coventry, and it's happening in Coventry, England, which is in the UK, Great Britain, British Isles, uh, the Commonwealth, whatever it is. Um, September 8th through 23rd, the Variety Adventure Ride is happening in the New England, speaking of England, uh, in Australia, Tamworth to Tamworth. Um, it's to support the uh, Variety Children's Charity, so go check that out and uh, sign up to re- uh, register for many days of good riding. 18, 19, 20, 20, 20 That's a full six days. I don't think you're going to survive. You're going to try this and die. Don't do this. Wait a second. I'm having second thoughts about this. Six days on the road in Australia? If you're not dead, I mean, unless you're Australian, don't do this. This is nuts. Tamworth to Tamworth. What was I thinking advertising this? This is like sending people off on the Bataan Death March. My God, you know how many deadly animals there are in Australia? You know how many deadly, you know, plants there are there? This is insane. Why did I why did I mention this one? Anyways, if you go to it and survive, hit us up. I'd love to hear about it. Also September 18th, Venice Vintage Motorcycle Club's third Sunday ride, meeting up at the Stronghold at 16, pardon me, 1625 Abbott Kinney Boulevard. And that one wasn't scripted by Tobor. That was actually me catching my breath. Um, this weather's got me all 
<laughs> weather's got me giving me the vapors. Uh, that's happening on Abbott Kinney Boulevard in Venice, California. September 24th, Hell on Wheels. Saturday night TT at Paris Raceway in Paris, California. Paris, spelled P-E-R-R-I-S, like Save Ferris, only it's Paris. Maybe Save Paris. Go out there, check it out. There's going to be a special TT course out there at the raceway. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and it's part of their... Hot August nights in September. Uh, September 27th through 30th, the World Finals are going to be being held at Bonneville. Bonneville Speed Week got rained out this year. You heard about it in our Bonneville episode. Go back two episodes now uh, to episode 278, which was the uh, Bonneville episode. And you'll hear that Bonneville Speed Week got rained out this week. It got deferred to uh, this last week at uh, El Mirage. Well, guess what? Because of Hurricane K coming in and uh, all that fun stuff, this weekend's not happening at El Mirage either. There's a uh, standing water on the lake bed, which is El Mirage's El Mirage dry lake bed. Look it up on the map. It ain't so dry this weekend. And it's uh, all due to Hurricane K coming in and bringing this moisture. And like I said, it hasn't quit raining since. Started, started actually Thursday rained for five minutes which is usually what we get a year but then it kicked back up again friday and friday morning it rained for a little bit and i was super surprised um that it even rained and then friday night boy hasn't quit raining since like i said somewhere around a little after three it has been awesome we need this rain so thank you but El Mirage is now canceled, and Speed Week is going back to Bonneville. Hopefully it doesn't rain in Bonneville September uh, 27th. Um, October 7th, SoCal Bike Fest 2022 happened at San Manuel Stadium in San Bernardino, California. I believe that is the San Manuel Band of Mission Indians or Native Americans uh, I believe that is out there. So may- maybe on the res is where that's happening. I'm not 100% sure. Maybe just uh, this, the stadium. Uh, October 8th, Joe's Mini Bike Reunion happened at CV Park in La Crescenta, California. I think CV stands for Crescenta View Park. So that's going to be fun. He's got a whole bunch. Uh, if you listen to the Joe's Mini Bike Reunion podcast, he's just got so much stuff uh, coming to this year's show. And it's going to be great to be back after a couple of years. And uh, see all these little bikes, new people coming out. Uh, you know, I'd love to go see everything there and support the show. So I'm going to be there walking around, hopefully see our buddies from Steady, hopefully make some new friends, maybe hook back up with the guys from uh, AVR Racing um, that we got to talk to last time, maybe hook up with the Yeti again. Uh, we'll see what happens. But I'm just excited to walk around and see what's new, what I haven't seen Uh in the last two years because of COVID. So it is going to be fun, I hope. Um, also happened on October 8th. If you're not on this side of the uh, the valley, uh, on in Barstow, on the other side of the hill, out there up uh, off Interstate 15, um, Clean Desert. They're going to be meeting at Outlet Center Drive in Barstow, and they're going to go clean up some of that crap out there. There's a bunch of junk, and they post a lot of stuff on Instagram of their before and after pics. I can't believe people recreate and leave the OHV areas or the recreation areas or even the BLM and public land areas the way they do. Humans are pigs. We we deserve to be killed. And uh, we treat this planet like crap 
which is crazy because then we want to go ride on it. And we're like, hey, man. So Clean does. They're doing the Mother Nature's work, man. They're going out there making it clean, making it fun, and keeping access open to everyone. I just made that up on the flight. Uh, October 15th, the El Camino Vintage Show and Swap Meet. It's happening down in Gardena, California. This is an annual tradition. I think it's been going on for, I'm going to say going on like 75 years. Watch, they're like, hey, this is our 15th year, Jerkwad. I think it's, I actually think it's pretty old. If it's not like 50 years, it might be 75. Maybe it's 400. I don't know. Maybe they, they had motorcycles before they were invented. Um, if you're not down in Gardena, if you're up a little bit further north, in Huntington Beach, go check out the Moto Beach Classic. Uh, Roland Sands, of course, putting this on. <clears throat> he does this. You've seen it before with the flat tracking. Before they had, um, I think they even had Super 73 racing one year. They usually have surfing. They usually have music, bands, artwork, everything around the moto lifestyle, and all bringing it all together here in Huntington Beach. Uh, so go check that out October 15th if you are not at El Camino. <clears throat> October 16th, Classic Track Day at Big Willow, Willow Springs Raceway in Rosamond, California. Big Willow is a track. You're going to hear a little bit about it on this uh, week's show. And just phenomenal. Go check it out. Um, it was the very first purpose-built racetrack for... Tar- on tarmac i believe might have been the nation's first built one year b- before road america in georgia i think um wait is road america in georgia yeah i think road america is uh, or no, i'm sorry road atlanta i think is in uh, georgia um and i i think they were built one year apart and uh so yeah I, i'm not 100 percent sure if it's the very first track ever made but it could have been the very first tarmac purpose-built racing i, I have zero idea we'll do an episode on it um and october 23rd 2nd and 23rd, Born Free Texas is having at the Yellow Rose Canyon Campground out there in Texas. If you get a chance to go, let us know exactly how uh, how it's looking. Let us, let us know. Give us the, give us the lowdown and the feedback. Um, October 23rd through 28th, BMW GS Rally is happening in Tasmania. And I just saw Jocelyn Snow post something on Instagram. Um about uh the gs trophy is happening in bulgaria i think is where it was so yeah that, they're gearing up for that i'm not 100 percent sure where that is but she's posting pics so maybe the gs trophy is having a pretty soon too and finally to round out <clears throat> on uh november 26 ramming speed is having a compact octane slash streets of willow race again at uh out in rosamond at willow springs but at the smaller track known as the streets at willow springs uh yeah november 26th for turkey day so you got a, a ramming speed event right before uh think uh, halloween so bring your bring your costume and ride around the track at 147 miles an hour and then come back to the streets which are slightly slower and uh carve a turkey while you're carving the turns all right Let's get into this week's show. And before I forget, I did want to mention that the BDR uh, 100 Film Fest is happening October 23rd also. So if you're not in Tasmania doing the GS Rally thing, consider consider doing something here in the States, um, which is riding a back road discovery route. 
and they're going to do a film festival October 23rd, 2022, uh, 10-4, 5150 <laughs> they're, they're gonna um, they call it the Keep It 100 Film Fest and it's a fundraiser and basically there's gonna be an online broadcast that will showcase a selection of the best 100 second films submitted by the BDR community to the 2022 Film Festival and it'll also have featured films from established adventure motorcycle filmmakers um, the judges panel are gonna select the film festival winners um, the film has to be 100 seconds long or less. It has to be, take place on a BDR and be about motorcycling. And you can use royalty-free music only. Uh, I think Ke- Kevin McLeod at, at Inatech makes a lot of good uh, royalty-free or very cheap music that you can uh, license. Um, and also uh, respect the BDR mission, which is Ride Right ride respectfully and that ought to be a lot of fun seeing people's submissions the uh you know i did rev sisters last year or another the year before um kind of like a curated moto fest it's always fun when, when people do that sort of stuff so be looking for the bdr 100 festival coming up october 23rd um and wear your halloween costume while you watch uh, all right, everybody, let's take another quick break. Geez, that happened quickly. And uh, pop into our first segment uh, of this week's show, Moto Cramping. You'll see what we call Moto Cramping in a moment. All right, we'll be right back with more creative fame. I'm not the mood. All right, everybody, welcome back. To, this is Junk. And you're listening to Creative Writing, episode 280, Moto Cramping. And on this episode, we are actually going to talk a little bit about Moto Cramping. Uh, This last month, Wiggins and I went up to, I cannot remember for the life of me, the name of the trail, but it is up by uh, Cleghorn. That might even be part of the trail, it's Cleghorn. And uh, we rode up into Big Bear and went camping, yellow posting as a matter of fact, and I'm going to talk about that, my experiences on my SCR uh, 950 versus his pretty proper KTM 690. I feel like the KTM was a much bigger adventure bike. It looked a lot bigger than like a KLR 650, even though it's only, you know, 40 cc's or so bigger. It just looked bigger. You know, it's got two fuel tanks on it or like a split fuel tank. It is packed out with all the crap. It just, it looked like a bigger bike. And so... But it does got that 21 front inch wheel, and I think it's got like a 19 rear or something like that. So Wiggs was much, much more prepared for the off-road sections than I was. To give you a short rundown of the trip, the gist of it is we started here on our end of the, of the hills, of the mountains. We rode across the two, which is the Angeles Crest Highway, dropped down off the Angeles Forest Highway down onto the 138, which is over in Wrightwood, California, which is where some ski resorts are. And so here in Southern California, that is pretty much the top of the twisties. We ride up to the canyons, to the top of the ridge, and ride across down onto the 15 freeway, which takes you out to uh, Las Vegas and all that fun stuff, right? Barstow, the desert. We could see all that stuff from the top, too. It was very, very beautiful. It was a good day to ride. It was uh, August, so a little hot, but it was actually cold that day up in the mountains. Um, And so we rode across to the, the 15. 
and took all the windy roads there, avoided highways the whole way. And then from the 15 is where old Route 66 used to come down through the Cajon Pass there. And it has since changed. Uh, the Cajon Pass is right on the San Andreas Fault, so the road is always moving. Um, and the old pass used to wind down through, it was a dirt trail, if you can imagine that, back in the days. We should, we're going to do an episode on uh, the birth of the roads in this country. But there was no freeway, like Highway 66 was basically a dirt road in some of these parts. And uh, the pavement's gone on some of it, and it's just dirt road again. So we basically took some of that old mother road, some of the old first highway, and uh, took some of the dirt roads back up into Big Bear. And we never touched freeway all the way there. Um, yeah, we're, we're going to get into it on this trip right now, but let's, uh, I have a recording of it. So let's join Wiggins and I. Take yourself out of the moment. Put a cold beer in your hands. Sit in a dark room because we weren't allowed to have campfires here in SoCal. And uh, sit yourself down on the dirt or on a log or a rock somewhere around a make-believe campfire. And tune in right now with me as we join me and Wiggins on a very poorly recorded, (laughs) I might add, summer's night in August 2022 in the Gulch. (laughs) All right, everybody, this is Junk, and uh, we are sitting in a very dark campsite in Big Bear. Just me and Wiggs sitting in the dark, which is not unusual, but this time we're at a at a uh, dispersed campground in uh, Big Bear. And uh, Wiggs, how's it going, man? Mm, sorry, I'm having a second dinner. Yeah. It's going awesome. I'm yeah. really excited about this camp spot tonight, too, because it's totally dark, totally nothing. No fires allowed, which I'm not stoked on, but... Um, I'm real excited. We had a fucking pretty killer ride today. And, dude, we rode for, like, six hours, too. Yeah. Like, pretty good, pretty good fucking ride. Yeah. hmm <laughs> No, it was a good ride to Ridewood. Like, there's definitely a good amount of cars up there, some bikes, but it's really cool. But, yeah, most people, I feel like, turn off by Mount Wilson a little bit after. Not a lot of people make it all the way across because there's not a lot to do unless you're going to Wrightwood. But it's a pretty scenic, pretty cool route. Do you notice, like, right towards the end? the outlook and you could just see the whole valley like it's pretty crazy yeah yeah so we rode all that way and and once we got over to the 138 we uh which is a another kind of like little intermountain freeway you know we decided to take this uh dirt road yeah and i'll let wigs talk about that uh it's called cleghorn pass and i haven't taken it up to where we took it i've only taken like the short excuse me short version but I've also never done it on a bike. I've done it with Siddons in the Jeep. Man, uh, hiccups too. Yeah. And uh, bullshit. I've done it in my Forester. And yeah, we kind of took the long way. And it's crazy. Like the long way, there's, it kind of wise and reconnects and wise and reconnects. And there's like a hard route and an easy route. And we almost went down a real gnarly fucking down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're like, oh, we'll just take this. So we went up one of the hard ones, stopped, drank some water, had a little snack. Um, Cause it's like, it was hot, dude. I killed two liters way before the ride was over. Um, plus I drank water all morning trying to hydrate for this too. And, uh, so we like stop ate a little bit and I was like, oh, let's just, this looks like it goes down and joins the trail again. And it was like kind of the first split that was gnarly, I guess. 
and when what we went up wasn't bad <laughs> so we started going and I like threw my hand up luckily you're behind me a little bit and I had to like get my bike turned around but it didn't look too bad and then on the XCR you were like no I don't think it'll do it it's gonna bottom out I'm like oh good idea and when we went around and I saw the bottom of it holy shit it was pretty fucking steep yeah. and loose and that's what's hard on the KTM is like when it's loose yeah and like and we were we're fully loaded like we're camping tonight so usually if i take the ktm on some single track or go off-roading like it's empty i have no bags i put a little i have a tank bag that i throw in the back that i got mounted up on the back seat but i had both hard bags all three hard bags and a cooler mounted on it like i probably had 200 pounds minimum on it yeah plus me yeah and when i usually do stuff on the scr i uh don't try stuff that gnarly anyways because it's let's face it it's a it's a heritage model it's a scrambler like all modern scramblers where it doesn't really it's probably the it's probably the cheapest but the one of the worst of the modern scramblers um and yeah it's definitely i would take it on like all that groomed lower stuff but you can see as as the as the day unfolded uh it wasn't, it's definitely not made for that stuff. So here's Wiggins, what I was going to say. It's like the first time we went to Brown and I rode my fucking Schwinn up there. Yeah. That is exactly, and you were on a, a mountain bike. That's exactly how I, uh, am going to, uh, rate this, this adventure that we had today. Cause Wiggins is on a KTM 650 or 750. Uh, nine, 950 oh, yours is a 952. Yeah. So Wiggins has a 950, but it's it's got at least like seven inches of ground clearance or eight. It's like it's yeah, it's an off-road tire, 21 inches in the front. Like it's a it's a legit it's KTM adventure bike. I am on a Sportster, basically Yamaha's version of a You're Sportster. On a tracker, dude. It's not even a scrambler. It, yeah, I know. I was thinking today as we were clambering down the hill that that thing would, the only thing good would be a cafe racer or a flat tracker for that bike, and. uh so yeah, we made it uh, pretty far on, I wouldn't call it a groomed fire road. It was definitely rough in spots. We had to cross the railroad tracks a couple times and work our way. Yeah, there was a lot of sand because it's a river, kind of a wash. And uh, like Wiggins said, it was, ni- it was close to 90. It was 88, um, a little bit of humidity in the air. So it was probably really close to 90. Um, and just being out there exposed was really hot. He blew through two liters. I don't drink that much, and I still drank a, a, probably a liter and a half um, before the ride was even over. And uh, everything was going great. Everything was doing good. And uh, like you said, loaded up, both of us loaded. I really had to watch out for the rocks and the ruts because the suspension on that thing sucks. And the tires and the wheels, like, I, they're tubed. So if I popped it on rock, I am hosed. Um, and there's a lot of sharp rocks. I mean, it was it was off-road stuff, you know, for sure. Um, so Wiggins isn't here right now. But I'm going to tell you, uh, yeah, going uh, I, I high-sided, I, I high-centered once. We were going down this hill. And uh, I felt like I was tipping over. And so I just hit a couple of rocks and they worked me up the side of the bank. It was so weird. You know, the, uh, the trail is flat and then on the side there's banks and I didn't mean to, it was kind of inadvertent. I really wasn't trying to, but it was a count. I, uh, what is that called? Wigs. Yeah. It was a kind of off camber where you're kind of riding what I've heard other people call a side hill. And it just kind of pushed me up the rocks without me even trying. 
just me trying to balance the bike and keep it level on the hill. So Wiggs had to come help me then. I almost ate shit. Did you see me almost fall on that too? Like when I when I got stuck on those rocks, I was yeah, yeah, yeah. I I was I saw you so off, you got kind of off to the left. I did. Like Tippy toed in the bike. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't put my kickstand down quick enough. Yeah. So I'm like watching it kind of happen in slow motion, and I'm like, no, no, no. Yeah. Oh, oh shit, he made it. He made. It. Okay, he made yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I stopped it, but I I couldn't push it back. I was literally on my tippiest of toes, and I I was only straight up and down, and I, and and it went downhill to my left. So I was like, Wiggs, in my head, I was like, oh please come back, please come back. And I saw you stop, and I was like, yes. But then you didn't come down for a second, and I was like, please come back, <laughs> please come back. Yeah, I was trying to park, and I had my bike fall over. <laughs> yeah. So so basically, uh, I saved at that time, but Wiggs had to come and dig out a few rocks. I let go of my bike actually. And it stayed, it was like, and I was giving it gas and just spinning, spinning the uh, tire on some rocks and dirt. I was wedged in pretty good. That bike has, um, like 5.3 inches of ground clearance. And the rocky bank that I went up on was about seven inches. So you can imagine a high centered, I don't have a bash plate. So I was really worried about that. As a matter of fact, I may go check the, uh, the underside. I, I know I hit the frame on one rock cause it was a little bit bent right where I hit so all day long so anyways long story short it was only about a 20 mile ride but I think it took us about two <laughs> an hour or two to do it it was very slow going we we kept stopping to look um at the trail map because you could as you can imagine when you're out in the middle of nowhere and there's just dirt trails everywhere it's hard to uh hard to navigate so while Wiggins is off in the bushes taking a dump I'm gonna tell you that later I got in front of Wiggs um, I turn this corner again, going uphill. Now it's a climb and it's off camber. And, uh, I d- went to go and there was nothing. I wasn't, I guess I was in neutral. <laughs> so somehow I had found neutral, probably bumping over some rocks or something. When I gave it the, the beans, nothing happened. So here I am on this off camber, uh, you know, little trail that's going up and there's nowhere for me to go but fall over so I finally fell over on the scrambler trying to scramble it and this is my first legitimate scramble I've taken it off-road and on dirt roads and stuff but um you know nothing this gnarly this trail is like a jeep trail for sure and we saw a few trucks doing crawling stuff and we didn't I didn't even go on the crazy gnarly stuff I mean this is pretty easy for trucks and jeeps to do but not on my fucking piece of shit uh, Harley Sportster. So Wiggins came around the corner and I, now that he's back, I'll let him, uh, don't go left if you go down there. <laughs> okay. Note to self, don't go left. So yeah, you came around the corner. I think I got you on video when you were down though. Nice. I didn't get the fall. So like I thought I was like, Oh, I'm going to, it was kind of steep. Yeah. So I'm like, Oh, okay. So I'm going to, um, I'm gonna like, I turn my GoPro on and I was like, I'm gonna get a nice little run on it, have like kind of fun climbing this little hill, catch up with you. <laughs> I come around the corner and you're like laying on your side and I was like, oh shit. <laughs> After saving it on the rocks of all things. Dude, and then there was another one you, oh, after our little like snack spot when we turned around and came down that little hill, I thought my GoPro was on. So I like held it out so I could like film you come down and it was like, look super rad. No, it was off. (laughs) Of course, yeah. I was like, damn it. It kept being off when I wanted it on and on when I wanted it off. I was like, damn, dude. But, yeah, it it was good, dude. I was surprised 
how you rode that fucking XCR on that shit, dude. Like it, it, uh, like I get, I don't know. The geometry probably suits it. Okay. But the ground clearance does not like and this, the spin, the suspension is like a sportster, you know? Yeah. It's shitty. It has not much at all. Yeah. I have like full on dirt bike suspension and, but no, I was super impressed. Like watching you ride it, I was like, "Damn, dude, he's fucking." Because like, <laughs> so Sidden's got that Triumph, and there a lot of spots. I was like, "Fuck, dude, is he gonna? Would he be able to ride his Triumph on this stuff?" And uh, I'm like, "Fuck, I don't know. I think he can." Like we, him and I rode off road out by his camper, and it sucked because it was so sandy, and that made it real hard. But like. When it was solid dirt, and we we did some little hill climbs and stuff, and it, it he did fucking fine. So yeah. I think he just needs some fresh tires, and uh, the bike will do pretty good. But yeah. you know, so I, I don't think the Tiger is uncapable. But you know, if it falls over, it's a fucking heavy bike to pick up. But so is my KTM. When I dropped it, I couldn't get it up by itself by myself either. Yeah. If you hadn't been there, I don't know what I would have done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we like wait on a jeep to come by and be like, "Help me, please." Yeah. Because you were not only did it fall over, like you were past flat too. Yeah. Because since you were kind of um, off camber, it like fell down and then below because it was on an angle. Yeah. So your handlebars were below your wheels. That's the whole reason why I couldn't. St- if I was a little taller, I might have been able to save it, but yeah, not even then, probably not like. I was gonna say throttle out, but you said it like kicked into neutral or something. It was. In, so that's, I, I yeah. was throttle, and I wasn't. That's what the whole reason I tipped over is because <laughs> I was giving it gas and it wasn't going anywhere. I was like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Yeah. And I didn't really have time to click it into first. Well, and, and, like, you're trying to find the ground with your foot, but that's the same foot that you need <laughs> to click it in gear yeah, with. Exactly. So it's yeah. hard. It was too much going on at one time, and I just it's it. Yeah, it's a lot, man. I, like, I'm new to riding dirt. Like, the dirt that everyone knows me for is close to concrete. <laughs> so, And, honestly, the closer to concrete, the better for me. Like, I like a smooth, banked, flat track. But... Um, so this stuff's new. Like I've ridden it a little bit, uh, with a friend of mine. We used to, when I had my supermoto, I had my dirt wheels and we were going out to Beaumont and fucking ripping around. But, and what was cool about that was we'd get ourselves in for me, especially like bad situations. And the only way out was to ride out. So like, yeah. Oh shit. Well, Wiggs, you gave us a seminar. <laughs> I, I don't know. Let me see how much was recorded on here. Yep. Gave us a seminar, and uh, man, I gotta say, since we don't have any bear bags at this campsite, who are you? They're just fucking well, I, like a ziplock. I'm side. sorry, I meant I meant trees to put our bear bags in. We're throwing up all our shit on a rock, so I need to go jump on this rock and throw some food down. But this view is amazing, and uh, nothing like sitting around what would be a campfire, but we're in SoCal and there's no fire allowed here because we'll catch the, the lower half of the state. <laughs> So, but it is nice hanging out here and chilling, talking motorbikes. So, all right, everybody. Well, catch you later. Go do your own campfire. Fuck you. Bye. Okay, cool. That was me and Wiggs coming at you from somewhere, well, not technically Big Bear, Big Bear Jason um, from the dark. No fires. Uh, luckily, no bears. Somebody did come up to the campsite around three in the morning. I think that they just saw two motorcycles parked, didn't think that the campsite was occupied, came up to check and see, and our tents were kind of hidden behind some bushes. So, you know, me and Wiggs hide in the bushes together. Uh, Now, coming up on Creative Writing, we have another segment with another guest, and we're going to talk some more moto camping. So let's 
uh, honor a sponsor, throw out an ad, and we'll be right back with more creative writing. For over 131 years and several months, Clodman's has been supplying quality pickles to motorcyclists the world over. Legendary icons such as Sylvester Roper, Oscar Hedstrom, William Harley, Betsy Stringfield, Frank Willoughby Cotton, Evil Knievel, Nikki Hayden, and Sachiro Honda have all quenched their desires for a thick, juicy pickle sliding across their greasy, willing lips with none other than a fine specimen from Clopman's. Join the Hall of Fame, win your first race, impress the judges, put a Clopman's in your mouth, and a championship trophy on your shelf. Clobmans, not for dreamers, for doers. Clobmans, the only pickle for motorcyclists. Everybody, welcome back to Creative Writing. This is the Moto Camping episode, and uh, along with some stories and uh, fun stuff we got going on in this episode, also on the line with us, we have our, uh, I'm going to call you a field um <laughs> a field reporter. We have another field reporter and Bri Viffer, and this is our other field reporter, uh, Matt. And Matt, clue us in. Where are you at right now? So right now I am in uh I am in northeast Florida. I've I've officially become a Florida man. I've uh gotten out of the Navy <laughs> and uh moved back to the States and now I'm a Florida man. You're not officially a Florida man until you make the news for running down the street naked with an alligator clamp to your arm or something like that. But uh I'll accept your <laughs> just the fact that you live there. So, right last time we talked to you, you were in um, you were over in Japan, and now you've you've made it over to the states. What gives? You're uh, I, I don't think I mentioned that you your your journey uh, through the Navy, but you're officially a civvy now. Yes, I am officially a civilian, one hundred percent veteran plates on my uh, on my truck to prove it. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, so yeah, no, uh, it, it's been a, it's been a crazy summer, um, going from, going from Japan being fully employed to being at the end of the summer here with, with the kids in school being, um, unemployed. Um, yeah. and, uh, and yeah, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been an amazing journey this summer. Um, and, uh, it has not involved too many motorbikes or motorcycles. Um, I'm hoping that'll start now, now that I finally, uh, finally gotten everything, uh, all, all of my stuff back in one place in one state, uh, in, that includes my bikes. So, uh, nice. Yeah. Nice. So you, w- while you were in Japan and you were on your, uh, little Genski bike, which I, I got, I'm, I'll tell you a little bit. And I've been saving some of this for when you came on. Cause I, I, uh, you got me thinking about it when you were with all that talk. Um, your stuff was just sitting over here, uh, in the States, just, uh, not, I wouldn't say rotten away, but just kind of hunkered down waiting for you to return. Yeah. So, uh, the way the military does it, you, you know, you can, you can ship a bunch of stuff to Japan. Um, they also let you put a bunch of stuff in storage and, um, you know, knowing, you know, being very familiar with Japan with, with the close ties that I have with Japan, uh, we, we knew that we couldn't take a bunch of stuff over there. So we, we put a bunch of stuff, mainly kind of like all of my, my motorcycle shop that I'd kind of built up over the years, both my bikes, the, uh, the 2004 Yamaha FZ one and the 2006 CRF 450 flat tracker. Uh, we put that all in storage and it was basically just, you know, literally pack it up in boxes and haul it to a warehouse and they stick it in a warehouse for three years. Um, it survived. 
that's just like my sex life. That's what I ah. said. Just take it. Haha, <laughs> 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 dry and dusty. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I- exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, and you know, we, we finally got that back, um, got it all back. The same thing was with my, uh, with my truck. We, we put my truck into a storage. Um, it was there in California for a while too. We got that back, uh, several weeks ago, actually a couple of months ago. Um, and the crazy thing is, is both the truck and the bikes survived storage with no issues, right? Uh, no dry rotted tires, no anything, you know, no, no, you know, warehouse fires or anything like that. Only to have both the FZ one and my truck, uh, get damaged in shipping. Oh no. Yeah. So the truck, they, um, and, and I'm pretty sure it happened literally when the guy took it off the transporter, um, something happened in Florida. like yeah. all the way there without trouble, huh? Yeah, basically, yeah. So the truck made it all the way here to Florida. And then when the guy took it off the transporter, something happened and it ripped out the um it ripped out the the emergency brake cable for like the left rear, you know, uh wheel. Wow. And then and I think when when something caught, like probably he didn't, you know, he didn't quite undo the uh one of the chains or something like that. And then as he was rolling it off, the chain like caught on the cable. And then I think what happened is when the chain caught on the cable, it shifted the truck and it scratched the bumper. Oh man! Um, so that that actually turned out pretty good because the bumper scratch is really minor. I mean, I didn't even notice it the first time I did like a walk around. I, I did notice it later. Um, you know, the guy when, when they when they brought it to me, they said, "Hey, look here, we know this damage is here." Um, so they kind of cut it short, and I was able to drive it home. Um, but they reimbursed me for all of that, so they reimbursed me for the brake cable. You know, that was basically one for one. I got that done at a dealer and then they gave me like $1,400 for the bumper and I just pocketed that money. I just left yeah. it, you yeah. know, uh, the FC one was similar the way they put the FC one into the, into the, into the truck. They, they had like a brace bar somewhere in the truck and the way they had the brace bar, it, it shattered the windscreen. I had a, a uh, zero gravity, double bubble windscreen yeah. on it. And, um, it shattered it. So the, when the, when the driver unloaded it, he, he said, Hey man, the, this is busted. Just gotta tell you. Did it so, just like drop down onto it or something? Like I'm assuming the brace bar went across the truck to keep it from. Yeah. It went, it went from side to side in the truck. And I, yeah. the, the, I saw the bike in the truck, um, before he unloaded it and it was, it was, it was going, you know, side to side. Because, you know, I wasn't the only shipment they had in this truck. Oh, I see. Okay, okay. Yeah, so they they had a bunch of stuff. Actually, you know, I'm missing a few things. I've got a few other pieces of damage. So tomorrow I've got to jump online to the Navy websites and i got to, you know, do the tedious process of filing claims and <laughs> trying and to found. get rid of it. Yeah, it's such a pain <laughs> no. in the butt. I mean, eventually, once you work through the process, you get reimbursed for this stuff, but it's just such a process. Yeah. Um, I'm not looking forward to it. Uh, but the way it happened, uh, I don't know. I, I guess the way the bike was, the the brace, the brace did something and it shattered yeah. the windscreen. Crazy. Um, luckily enough, so when I bought the bike, it had a zero gravity smoked regular windscreen, and then I decided to get the like the double bubble windscreen. So I bought I bought the double bubble. So um, I still had the original when I bought it. Oh, cool. Um, original windscreen. So you know. Five minutes and 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 an Allen wrench later, I swapped it out for the other one. Um, yeah, and then actually it was funny that that night I was cruising around. Um, I, I 
I joined a Facebook page for uh, for FZ1 owners. Nice. And <laughs> I found another guy in Florida. He's like, zero gravity, double bubble, smoke windscreen, $80 shipped. I live in Florida. I'm like, hmm, that's got to be some zen going on right there. Yeah. And uh, so I shot him. And so uh, I got to. I got to. Shot drop. him? Well, I, sh- <laughs> I shot, shot him a quick him. note. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I want <laughs> that, that screen, I man. Like, I hey, want I, that screen. I, I don't live in Florida. I don't know how it works. I was thinking maybe we should just. Oh, dude, it's Florida, man. It's, 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 it's lawless here. <laughs> I shot him. Yeah. Now the windscreen's mine. That's the, that's yeah, exactly. the answer. Exactly. That's how it works. You know, it's just, you know, it, uh, nice. but no, you know, I, I shot him a, shot him a message. And so I should, I should get it. And the cool thing is, is he's selling it brand new in the, in the wrapper. Oh, sick. And I'm so going to get even, it for, yeah, yeah, I'm going to get it for less than new, and then I'm going to get reimbursed new. Right, right. So, so it's not even out of the pack. That's a sweet deal. So you're going to be back on two wheels. Uh, I don't know. I mean, when you went to Japan, I'm, I don't remember how long it took you to find something to ride, but man, you're going to be right back up and running here within a few months. Yeah, pretty soon. I I, I need to, um, so unfortunately, you know, I, I did take precautions before putting the bike in storage, right? I, I drained, the, drained the tank out. Uh, I ran the bike until to try to, you know, get the float to get the bowls as dry as possible. I drained the float bowls of the whole thing. I even sprayed the inside of the tank with WD-40 just to make sure, you know, any, it wouldn't flash rust or anything like that. Um, right now trying to start it, I, I did have to buy a new battery for it. So I bought a new battery, bought some oil, changed the oil, uh, put the new battery on there, cranked it over a bunch of times. And, um, I could hear the fuel pump going. You know, I've got like a gallon of gas in the tank. Um, so I can hear the fuel pump going and priming. But um, after, you know, trying for 10 minutes to get it to start, um, yeah. I went and I drained the, I tried, I opened the float bowls. I'm not getting any gas into the yeah. car floats. So <laughs> yeah, okay. pretty sure that the nasty California gas has gummed up my, um, gummed up my carbs a little bit. I, I yeah. kind of expected it, you know, I, I took as many precautions as I can. I was kind of crossing my fingers, hopefully that I could, you know, hoping I could, uh, not have to pull the car bank, but I, you know, I'm going to have to dig in there and pull the car bank and, and, you know, just one at a time and just sit there and, you know, um, just yeah. a little bit of brake clean, a little bit, a little bit of, you know, brass brush and, yep. um, you know, one by one, just kind of, yeah, get it figured out. Yeah. I, I know I, I even letting, um, I don't like letting any bike sit too long, even, you know, probably a f- couple few weeks I'm, I'm worried <laughs> that they're yeah. not going to start so yeah i've been draining it and throwing seafoam seafoam might break some of it up but i mean ultimately to get all the lacquer out you might be able to start it with seafoam if you uh stick a bit in there and let it yeah. uh, slosh around just get no. some of that stuff but <clears throat> ultimately yeah the bet the best thing to do would be probably yeah, just deep clean it all give it give it the old uh one two um what i used to do is take a uh of course I worked at a, <laughs> I worked at a body shop. So we had a high pressure like rinse tank and mm. get out the solvent and just blast it at like a hundred PSI through, you know, nice. probably didn't <laughs> carb squirting <laughs> like a hundred PSI. Yeah, no, it's a, it's always good to do that. They even make, you know what I've seen is <laughs> I think you can get them at like O'Reilly's or pet boys or whatever. They make these little tiny cans that is like a gallon or maybe even a half gallon. And, uh, it's, it's like a part sink, but you, it just comes with a little like strainer, uh, strainer basket and you just stick your part in there, dunk it in there. Uh, you know, the lid has the little handle on it. You put it back in, you shake it around in a couple minutes and then let it sit for an hour and take it out you, with the four carbs. You know, you got to do it 
four times. But uh, but yeah, it's just it's, it's almost as good as having a um, like a parts rinser, you know, like a little mm. parts sink. And and I think that's what they do it for. And it's all in the little can, so you don't have to worry about recycling solvent and having to pump. You just stick it in there. I've seen those. Yeah. 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 No, but, you're right. I, I hadn't thought of the sea foam, and I, I've used it in the past. I, I might go ahead and use it because. Like I said, I did drain everything out. Yeah. So there might just be just enough that if I could get some seafoam in there, yeah. you know, try to prime the, uh, you know, get, you know, flick the key on and off a couple of times to get the, get the pump to prime and, and maybe put a little pressure on the, on the carbs. Maybe it'll, it'll just kind of sit there for a little bit. And, you know, if I do that once or twice a day for a couple of days, I might just get enough to break through Yeah, and then, uh, then run it through. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll give it a try. It's, it's worth a try. Like like you said, yeah, the best thing for it is to to pull it off. It's a 2004, so it, it's carved. And I'm not, I think it's a California model. So it's got a whole air injection system and yeah. carbon filters and all that stuff. Yeah. So, it, you know, it looks daunting when you pull off the seat and you look down there. There's, there's a mess of tubes everywhere. <laughs> yeah. But in the end, you know, all the tubes are kind of, they're, they're formed and set. So it's not like, okay, yeah, I can take a bunch of pictures or, you know, go through, label them and stuff like that. But it literally is just sitting there. Okay. One at a time, remove a tube, remove a tube, remove a tube, you know, clear some space, pull them out, slide them out the side of the bike. And then, then they're like any other carbs. I'm, I'm a weirdo. I know like when you, when you listen to the Cleveland Moto guys, they just hate carbs, but of course they're, you know, they're working in a shop doing this stuff 12 hours a day and, yeah, and, and had- they get tired of carbs. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm just a shade tree guy. I don't mind pulling out a car bank. I think it's, it's kind of, it's kind of cathartic to sit there and just like literally go through each carb and know what it is. And with these bikes, these FC ones, there, there's a lot of guys who modify them. Um, like back in the old days, you know, in the ancient times when they used to have forums, um, there you was know, some I, FZ1 forums and, and guys talked about uh, a, a big a big modification called the Ivan modification. Okay. And some dude named Ivan came up with like oh, apparently see. this this perfect combination of jets and 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 block off plates or whatever it is to to you know really unleash the beast of these FZ1s. And nice. uh, I, I don't know. I know mine's been modified. I mean, it's got a pipe. It's got some custom parts on it. So it's kind of like I, I I've never known what what's in these carbs. So it'll be good to pull it out, you know, check the carbs, check out the pilots and, you know, check out all the jets and make sure, okay, this is what I'm running with. And yeah. Then I know. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, it, it is fun to get into that stuff and tear it apart and, um, and just, yeah, get to know it, you know? <clears throat> and when I was, when I was younger, a forum was a place where you went to fight for your freedom to be, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I do, I do enjoy, um, I've been trying to go on a lot more forums lately. Reddit is a forum ish, you know, Reddit uh, isn't technically a forum, but there's a, the R motorcycles community in there. I love, I I spend most of my time on social media now is like in there and I'm looking at all these motorcycle questions. I love every day. There's at least 12 posts where the guy or lady turns on their bike and says, Hey, I can't figure this out. And they hit the start switch and it just goes or chug, 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 chug. And it's like nothing. And you're like, that's a dead battery. You know, like there's so many, so many variables of stuff. And what reminds me of your carb is there's a lot of guys on there that would post, man, this thing's running like crap, this and that, or I can't get it to run off choke. 
And the first thing everyone's always like, oh man, you need to like check the cam, take apart, you know, check your, your main bearings. It's like, guys, 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 look for a vacuum. My first response is always look for a vacuum leak if it'll run on choke, but it won't run regularly. What the choke does, right, is it cuts off air, uh, air supply yep. so that it gets more fuel. And if it's running on the choke and it doesn't run off, on a regular, then guess what? You've got a, too much air coming in, probably, you know, if it'll run. So all these guys freak out about that. I love it. And 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 always the first, the first advice anybody says, oh yeah, you gotta, you gotta like p- rebuild the top end and pull and, and check Eesh. the injectors. And they're like, it's a carbureted bike, dude. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, <laughs> you know, and, and a lot of, and a lot of people nowadays with, with the ease of being able to tune a fuel injected bike, Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people just think, oh, carbs, I hate messing with carbs, messing with carbs. And, and especially a lot of people just, they, they put down the CV carb and I'm just like, you know, the CV carb is, is very organic. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it literally is like, literally, you know, I, I have a degree in mechanical engineering. So we spend a lot of time on all the equations that go into, that are basically the equations behind carburetors. And, you know, the CV carb is, is, is actually a wonderful thing. And, I've never had any issues with the way the CV carbs make power in a motorcycle. And, and the FC one is, you know, the FC one is a ridiculous motorcycle. It, it's 550 pounds. It, it's a tube frame motorcycle in the days when they were coming out with the Delta box aluminum frame yeah, bikes, yeah. you know, and this thing is a steel, a steel cradle frame, but it's got the 2004, it's got like an Oh one Oh two ish, um, R1 engine in this double cradle frame with a little bit of tuning differences. It's got some gear. I think it's got a little bit of gearing changes. Carbs are a little bit different. And then the cam is a little bit different so that it's a little more streetable, but it's a full on R1 engine. You know, and if you do, uh, you know, if it's tuned right and everything like that, it's putting out every bit 120 horsepower at the rear wheel. And it's just, it's a wonderful bike to ride. They are a bit big and heavy, but you know, just like any bike, you know, once you get them up and moving, they just, that thing just slices through the canyons like crazy. I've taken it to the track a couple of times. Yeah, um, I think Wiggins met you at a, at a track day on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause, uh, so I did, uh, the first time I did, uh, streets of Willow and I did the Keith code level one school, uh, with the FC one. Um, and that was awesome just to be out there on the bike, you know, on my street bike, yeah. And, and streets, uh, streets of Willow is a great course. And then, yeah. So then it was a, it was actually, uh, 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 ramming speed, right. Wasn't it? Um, oh yeah. Yeah. yeah with Brady. Uh, Brady. Yeah. 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 So it was one of his track days and, uh, you know, I'm looking through and, and, you know, the way, the way he was kind of putting them out, it's like, ah, oh, like vintage bikes and stuff like that. And then I started reading into it and so I'm like, and, and so I, I, I go ahead and sign up and I, you know, and, and the way Brady does, it's very low key, like the signups, you know, it's not like this you know, it's not, it's not all formulaic. It's kind of exactly. like, Hey dude, I have a 2004 FC one. You think I could join? And he's like, FC ones are sweet bikes, dude. Can't wait to see you. I'm yeah. like, okay, cool. You know, <laughs> no, his, his whole thing is he doesn't want the track day assassin guys out there yeah. trying to win, you know, who's winning a track day, you know, like those, all those sport bike bros that show up and they got like a lap time to prove when it's supposed to be just like a fun learning or practice vintage track day. Yeah. And, and yeah. most of the guys out there on sport bikes are like at least 20 years old. They're not out there on their, you know, 2021, you know, H2, you know? Yeah, <laughs> so no, it was, it was, it was an awesome track yeah. day and, and big willow and, and 
Big Willow yeah. and the FZ1 were great because, you know, Big Willow only has a couple of really tight turns. Yeah. And so, you know, trying to flip flop this big heavy bike over wasn't that big of an issue. Um, I, I learned that that turn one at Big Willow can, it looks crazy slow, but you can mm. take it a lot faster. Yeah. I overbreak that turn every single time. Yeah. Me and my buddy. So I, I brought my trailer and my buddy came out with me. He had a, uh, uh, what is it? The, um, the, the 650 Kawasaki's not, not a versus, not the cruiser one, but the one that looks like a ninja. Uh, is, the, is, I guess it's called the Ninja 650. Yeah. It's like the Ninja six. It's like the street Ninja quote. Yeah. Like the, the street Ninja. The so it does, didn't yeah. have clip ons and it yeah. wasn't, you know, it, it didn't have rear sets. They were kind of mid sets, but it still had full fairing and stuff. Yeah. So between the two of us, we, you know, we, we were, we were right there. We, I guess we did the B group, you know, whatever, whatever Brady calls it, group twos, mm -hmm. you know, group ones were the fast guys. And I think when we, um, the first couple of sessions, uh, Wiggins was in, in the same group as us. And then, um, and then he was just, you know, he was ripping obviously. And so he, he moved up to like session one for the last few sessions, me and my buddy, we just stayed in session two and yeah. we're probably, we were probably in the top two thirds of session two. You know, cause the, or the, the group two, the group two was, was, was a pretty wide spectrum. The, the group yeah. three bikes were, were a lot of the vintage guys who are right. riding the, the, the small displacement vintage bikes. Yeah. Um, I was going to say group three is usually like the 350 and under mm. super vintage classes or small, you know, small displacement vintage stuff. You don't see a bunch of, uh, unless it's like their first laps out there, you don't see a bunch of modern stuff in the, uh, yeah, yeah group no. three. And it was, it was great. You know, I, I had a, I had a lap timer, like a cell phone lap timer app going on. And, you know, I, I still have the, I still have the little lap time that I still have it. You know, I, I haven't used that lap timer in, in, you know, six years now, but, or five <laughs> years, but I still have it because it's got, you know, it's got one part where I hit like 113 miles an hour on the straights. Yeah. And it was just, it was so much fun. And it was funny because, uh, my buddy and I, I had also taken him to a CVMA track day when I had my little Ninja 250. And, uh, I remember we, we both had lap timers going on and he was, he was kind of giving me a little crap because I had been doing all these track days and I was the guy in our, my little group of riders who was the training and the track day guy. Right. So I was talking all the stuff about track days. And then, so we go out there and my buddy's like, oh, I beat you by two seconds. And I'm like, dude, I've got a 250 ninja. You've got a 650 ninja. You got yeah. 400 cc's on me and you're beating yeah. me like, like a second and a half. Okay. I mean, like. <laughs> You know, and all of that's coming on the straight, you know yeah. what I mean? So then when we went out to, to Big Willow, now I had my thousand and he had a 650. So I'm like, come on, dude, you're four yeah. seconds behind me. What's going on? Because it was funny. Like he would always catch me in turn one because like I said, I overbraked. you know, that the bike is big. And when you go into turn one, turn one's like a, it's like a second gear, maybe 45 mile an hour turn. It's 90 degrees, but it's a very wide yeah. track. So you can really, you know, you could do outside, inside, outside kind of thing, just like they teach you an msf course um but you can do it pretty quick yeah yeah it's a good one to look it, it is it's so scary coming to it because it is 90 degrees but yeah, I mean, you're looking at a damn hill when yeah. you're like straight onto a hill yeah. and you're like the road's going that way and there's a damn hill here you know and it dips down and it's almost like a it's almost like a banked turn though too because it dips down toward the mm. apex yeah and so if you catch it just right yeah you can really like 
compress your suspension and get on, you know, you can get on it. Well, in, on Spamala, I don't even let off. I just fifth gear the whole no way way around this to take, but on any other bike, you know, if you're, if you're a 250 or under, yeah, you can't let off on big willow or you'll never get, you'll never get get the the feedback. Exactly. I think it took me 15 seconds just to get down the straight on Spamala, (laughs) but, but yeah, on, on any other bike and you're hauling ass down the straight and here you come to that 90 degree and yeah, it's a pretty daunting looking, Turn. Yeah, then you then yeah once you make through that then you start accelerating into like turn two and three and you're in that that it's that giant sweep and you're just yeah. you're just in like you're you're leaned off the bike on the side and you're just yep. sitting there and then like you're going and going and you're still leaned and you're like you're looking at your watch going i'm still turning yep. right yeah <laughs> yeah like checking my notes you know yep. checking like text messages because you got that long sweep and then all of a sudden you got to like whip it whip back, it back over and, forth, yeah. and then up the hill and then whip it around i, yeah. I remember like on the last second either last session or second to last session i i whipped it over and and it's just so hard to whip it over with that big bike and and get your body in position yeah so i whipped it over and i i peg scraped on it and of course that freaks you out because you, oh, yeah. you whip yeah. it over and you you know and then next wow so then i like stood it up and then i was all offline and yeah but, you know you go up into the the omega there what, what is that? The, oh, the Omega is like 4A, 4B. Something, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. after you hit those S's where you're talking about, and you can get sketchy on those if you don't plan it right. Yeah. yeah. And that leads you into the Omega. And if you get that wrong, you're kind of, that's another, you're still yeah, on a, a small sweeper. bike on that one. You got to really watch it because it's uphill. Mm-hmm. So yeah. You could like kill your momentum and then you're just yeah. all off kilter. <laughs> Yeah, again, on Spamala, you can't let off, or yeah, you will. You'll never make it up. <laughs> it's like a hill climb. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah. And of course, so, you got like what? You got like, you know, like five, six, and seven are pretty mellow. And then you hit eight and nine. And then, of course, at nine, right? The apex is like a giant pothole off the side of the road. It's like, that's yep. the apex. It's kind of like, <laughs> look at that, look at that hole and then aim six inches to the left of it. Yep. And I totally did a thing where I, I was like maybe a couple inches to over and it, it like bumped my suspension. And yeah. and then I, I end up standing it standing it up did, totally did an off road so I, I I cut through I cut off road kept it upright hit the hot pit lane, um oh, rode right, through okay. the hot pit totally like out, yeah yeah like shook it off like ooh you know like trying to unclench my butt yeah um, that I had a my friend Carrie was out there last year at the uh, the Corsa and it um her friend, something happened coming out of that last turn toward that front straight mm-hmm. and his steering just didn't it like locked or something. Mm-hmm. And he went straight into the dirt and straight into the oh. wall there and oh. uh, tried to bail off before it happened. And everybody was a little bit freaked out about it, but I mean, she came in, you know, of course in tears after, cause she was right behind him when it happened. And, mm. and it, that, that would be a scary ass place that, and that like where you're talking, where the dirt runs up to the track, right by the hot pit is mm-hmm. a scary place to cut a little too wide. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know, it was Very just one of those things like, like I hit it, it kind of like bumped my suspension. I got offline, I started veering and I, and then, you know, then of course I was like looking at that yeah. the side of the track <laughs> and of course I freaking drove right into the side, you know, look, yeah. you, know, you, you go where, go you, where look. you look. And so, you know, <laughs> But you know, I had enough presence of mind to to know 
like I, I figured it out right before I hit the dirt. It's like, okay, yeah. I'm totally freaking, you know, I'm totally, um, I forgot what they call it, but I'm totally, I'm totally target fixating, target fixating on the dirt. I know yeah. I'm going into the dirt. So what do I got to do? Let's get it upright first. Let's hit that rear brake. Yeah. And so I got it upright. And then as I'm in the dirt, I just like, okay, I, I let it rumble through, you know, I had my hands off the throttle. Like, you know, I, I was just engine braking yeah. and, and as it started slowing, I said, okay, I'm stable. I'm stable. Okay. Little tap the rear, tap the rear, tap the rear. Okay. Now I'm a little bit slower, you know, tap the front, tap the front, tap the front. And I got it under control and just rolled right on the hot pit. But <laughs> yeah, man, I, oof, I, I think I, I sucked my leathers right up my bum there <laughs> yeah. for a little bit. Yeah. And it took, you know, it then, but then, you know, I, I went through hot pit and, and, you know, they didn't flag me down. I think I did stop. And, and then the guy was like, you good. And I was like, yeah. And then, and, and then, you know, it was, it's, it's Brady stuff. It's low key. Yeah. And, and oh, crap yeah. happens, you know, they know it. Yep. They know it. And, you know, and I was good. And, and so then, and then he's like, you going to go? And I'm like, yeah. And you know, like I, I had to go out and get another hot lap in, you know, that's the thing. Like you, you, you got to come in shaky. Yeah. You gotta no, you got to go out. You got to burn it off. And yeah, mm-hmm. there was a crappy lap, you know? Um, and especially yeah. when I came back around for eight, nine, I was like freaked out and yep. I was probably, you know, 20 miles an hour, 30 miles an hour slower than I should have been. But, yeah. but yeah, you know, I it. burned it off <laughs> and then I came back into the pits and then I shook it off. And then it was, then it was, then, you know, then it was what we call in the Navy sea stories, you know, it's yeah, like, right. Hey, telling sea stories about, man, I almost hit the hill and then yeah. I was doing this and that. I think I did a stoppy through the turn. And they're like, dude, yeah. you went in the, you're, yeah, no, yeah. That's a, that is an always a fun track. And actually he's got a, um, event coming up. I, I'm going to have it in the show notes, but yeah, he's got something coming up here. Um, I think in October. So mm. coming up pretty fast. Speaking of things coming up and speaking of some other experiences that you've may have had, um, we're talking about moto camping this, uh, this yeah, episode. Man. And I know you've done a little bit and Wiggins and I have done a little bit too. Um, and I reached out to the Reddit community also to see if anybody had any moto camping trips. There's already a Reddit called moto camping. So I probably should have hit hit the, those guys up, but I just threw it in the regular, uh, our motorcycles subreddit. And I got, somebody told me, uh, in their response, they said, Hey, any tricks or tips, moto camping? And I asked this after I'd already gone. Right. So right. Yeah. <laughs> rhetorical at this point, but somebody said, Hey, my, my biggest mistake was packing my heavier stuff like food up high. And then they got speed mm. wobbles down Lake show drive in Chicago which is terrifying. Yeesh. And I could imagine Lakeshore is a pretty busy street there in Chicago. Yeah. Um, and the second mistake was doing it on a cruiser, which is a V-Star 1100 with no oh. backrest. So after a few days, they sent a lot of stuff back, it says. <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah, that would be... Moto camping doesn't mean you have to have an off-road bike and you're going out into the wilderness. I mean, you can ride a cruiser up and, and moto camp on a cruiser um, out you know, any dirt road or any paved road out to a campground. Right. So, um, I, well, I've done both. I, I've, I've done, I've done it on a, a, you know, finger quotes adventure bike with the V Strom 650. And then I actually did it with my FC one, one time. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Wiggins, when we went to, uh, up to Brady's ranch on Memorial day, he took his, um, I think he took it or he took his uh rc51 and that wasn't very fun for him when we hit some kind of like sketchy back roads <laughs> it would have been more no, suited to his uh, KTM. God, it was yeah my buddy uh, the one time i would it my buddy and i so i had the v-strom um we had decided to do this uh do like an adventure trip and then uh, he went on deployment and then he came back and I had bought the v the fc1 and I sold the v-strom and he's like what'd you do dude we're still we're supposed to go on this trip. I'm like, don't worry, dude, I'll, we'll do the trip. So we went up to, uh, we went up to the, um, 
uh, up to up north, up north in California, we we were hit just like the edge of one of the big forests. I can't even remember what it was now. Yeah, and uh, so we we hit a bunch of back roads going up there, just lots of twisties, having fun. And then we finally got into the mountains, and you know we took this little mountain road, and it starts off two lane mountain road, then a one lane mountain road, then a very chunky one lane mountain road, <laughs> then a dirt mountain road, and then like baby heads. You know, we finally oh, got to the campground. <laughs> yeah, we yeah we finally oh yeah we. There was one part where we we were we got lost trying to find this this road that we had planned, and because we stopped and there was a little county road sign and there was this little gate and it was open and it was this goat path of baby heads and and chunky rock, and and we we drove around and we ended up back there and he's like that's the road dude I'm like nah and he's like yeah. I'm going. And he just took off on his KTM 1190. <laughs> oh, nice. And I'm just like, oh my God. And it's, the whole thing I was thinking of was, was, was popping a tire or punching a hole in my oil pan. Uh, yep. <laughs> and, and I crawled up this stupid hill and I remember we had comms and the whole, and he just, he left me, you know, he's just, he's on his KTM. He stood up on the pegs and he just was gone. He didn't even have great, you know, like knobbies. He still had just the stock, um, you know, yeah, street like, tires, like 80, 20, if that, yeah, know. yeah. Even if that, and, uh, you know, so there I am and I'm, you know, I'm on a 500 pound, 550 pound FZ one with my 230 pounds of, of fat butt and, you know, another 40 pounds of camping gear, um, on Dunlap Q threes, um, <laughs> rolling over baby heads and just bounce. I was crawling in like first gear waddling the whole time. And the whole time I'm cussing him out in the comms, but he was too far away to hear me, but oh, I'm just okay. like, just, you know every every f bomb yeah know, that I, I, call I imagine him. and your v strom even those um yeah the 650 i mean not that the 1050 is any bigger or or has more clearance but those also i mean depending on the setup that you had those are also you know i would consider them sort of like a a lower level they don't have spoked wheels you know they have cast wheels uh yeah no mine had in. mine was an early it was a first gen uh a first gen we strom like what uh, right, the yeah. guys called them right so yeah cast wheels uh the only i mean i wouldn't even call them adventure bikes I, a lot of guys call them adventure bikes but the only thing that made it uh, you know a finger quotes adventure bike was the 19 inch front wheel mm-hmm. i used it more like a sport tour um i i didn't even put on any any aggressive tires i, I used um Michelin pilot tires. And that was just dumb because I lived in SoCal and like, what do I need rain sipes for? Yeah. 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 What rain? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Now here I do. And here on the FC one, I've got Q3 pluses and and I need, I'm like, oh, these things are going to be, these things are going to kill me if I, all um, year round you need those things. Yeah. Especially, uh, you know, in the summertime when it's, when it's still wet, you know? Um, yeah, we, we, uh, speaking to the the tire choices and and the bike choice you know the v the the v stroms uh to me it kind of seems like the cb500x which they just changed this year to actually be i think it finally has spoked wheels on it if i mm. remember correctly it might not even it might still have cast wheels but you know they upgraded that thing a little bit and i was looking at those because wiggins is like man you need to get like a klr you need to get this and i'm like guys and his his friend chris that we went with has a uh tiger 1200 mm. and he's like this is like driving a school bus off road even though it's got knobby tires and everything it's not fun and i and i saw him dab a couple times in some sand and i thought dude all you need is to hit a patch of sand at like 10 miles an hour and that thing is going down because kind of the, the slower you're going the harder it is to control you know but the faster you go the more out of control you feel sort of until you get used to it so 
I don't want a big. I was thinking six fifty would be the biggest I want, you know. And 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 even Wiggins, I think his is a six ninety, and it looks huge to me. So, yeah, I don't I don't want a big ass uh, ADV bike. So the last time we went out, I took my um, SCR, and that was pretty terrible. Um, same thing as I you. saw that. Yeah. yeah. That's, uh, it's, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a big girl. There. It's 540 pounds, but with me on it and the gear on it, it's, you know, probably 800, 900 pounds. And it only has 5.4 inches of travel, I want to say. Oof, and, yeah. uh, not very much. And so every, every single bump, I was listening to all the rocks hit the, <laughs> I don't have a bag. Yeah, plate. The, the, yeah. I just oh, listened God. to them tinkle off the, the uh, underside of the case. I kept looking every once in a while, you know, every time we stop, I'd look under there to make sure I didn't have a, a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, it, it's not fun and it's a quote scrambler, but dude, I, to me, scrambled is groomed fire roads and, and we were on a groomed fire road, but it still was a little rocky in some spots. And I think with the, um, with the bash guard, it, I would have been a little more secure, but it still was pretty, it's definitely not an off-road bike. So I, 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 you know, to go moto camping and adventure touring, I think it's fine to call adventure bikes, adventure bikes, but I don't think it always means off-road bikes, especially when they put like Tony Boo on the Africa twin, wow. who's like a trials champion. You know, I think he, he mostly rides 125s or 250s, whatever the Honda, Trials yeah, his little are, Reptile yeah. Trials bike. Yeah, yeah that, that that's the MotoGP of Trials bikes. Right. It weighs like it weighs a feather and has you know a million yeah. horsepower. And he's a world champ, so of course yeah. he can get on an Africa Twin and make it look easy. Hey, look, I'm doing a stoppy yeah. on an Africa Twin right into a wheelie, and then so him and Paul Tarez, who's also Paul a really Tarez good is, uh, with his T7. Yeah, and he's he started out. You know, he still rides his 450 a lot, but I mean, he was a hard enduro guy, and throwing him on that it's kind of unfair too because it makes it look so easy and then you get a pan america and you think you're gonna go off road and it's like no you're probably just gonna eat shit a lot (laughs) yeah like this is not i mean my my buddy's uh my buddy's 1190 he he bought it um maybe a month before he deployed and then he deployed and and he was renting an apartment at a time so he just he just you know got rid of the apartment um and so he's like hey man can you store the bikes i'm like hell yeah store the bikes and, uh, since the KTM was brand, so it was, it was like, uh, it was one of those ones where it was brand new, but it was the previous year's, uh, right. model. Right. Um, so it was still under warranty. So he's like, yeah, man, just ride it throughout the summer. Uh, you know, get it through its break in miles, take it to the dealer for me. I'll pay you back. And, and then when I come back on from deployment, you know, you and I will go and I won't have to worry about doing the break in miles and stuff like that. It'll be broken in. I'm like, hell yeah, dude. You know, you're, you're giving, you're, you're parking your, so he had an MTO nine too. So he, you're parking your MTO nine and your KTM 1190 in my garage telling me to ride them yeah. for three months. I don't know. Yeah, man. man. That's uh, that's yeah. You're, yeah. You <laughs> twist my arm a little yeah. bit. So I, I used to take his 1190 and, and it had electric, uh, it, the suspension was, uh, you know, he had like a ride height adjustment mm-hmm, or, or mm-hmm. something, you know, stiffness or whatever preload. I think it was electronic preload is what it had. So, you know, it, it was basically kind of dumb. It, it had, you know, one guy, one guy plus bags, two people, two people plus bags, and you could kind of set it. But then it also had the modes for the throttle. So I would set it in um, comfort mode on the throttle and comfort mode for the for the suspension. And I would rip it up the five or rip it up the one. This is when I was living in Ventura. So I'd rip it up the one up the coast, you know, head up towards Santa Barbara. And, uh, I would, um, I would take the, I, I would, I would cut over through Ojai and yes. come back down. Yes. And so I would just rip it up the freeway. You know, I'd leave early in the morning, seven, seven thirty in the morning when it's nice and cool. And I get that beautiful, you know, 
sun coming up over the mountains to my right and the beautiful ocean to the left. And, you know, and then as I'm rolling up the off ramp, I would be playing around with the menus, shifting the suspension to stiffen up the suspension and (laughs) shift the throttle to sport. And I would just, you know, I would just rip through the Canyon roads on this thing. I, yeah, it had 19 inch front and spoked, uh, wheels and it had the full bags. He had the, like the giant big aluminum bags on it. But I mean, I rode that thing like a sport tour and it was, and I, the Pan America, I, w- I would probably do the same. Like, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take a Pan America. Heck, I wouldn't take one of the big, uh, 1250 GSAs yeah. off road. I, yeah. I know there are people that, that, that take those bikes and they, you know, they, they play them like, you know, like, like a master puppeteer on these things. And they're, they're, you know, they're pirouetting it around the front wheel and, yep. and, and doing Hell no, man. There's nothing that makes me want to take a 600 or 700 pound bike and take it off road. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, give me seriously. I would, I would rather give me a, I don't know, like a, like a 230, one of those, uh, or maybe that, uh, that Kawasaki 300 that mm-hmm. they have, you know, give me a Kawasaki 300. And, and if I'm going to do like serious adventure biking, I want to do the base camp style where I throw it in the back of my truck drive to the area, maybe rent a, uh, you know, like a cabin or a hotel room or an Airbnb or something like that and use that as a base camp and then just start, you know, going out like spokes of a wagon wheel, you know, making a loop in a road and then coming back. And then that night hanging out, I've done the tent camping. It's fun, but man, I'm, I'm getting old and and I've got arthritis and I've got a VA claim in to see if they can give me some disability because everything hurts from 20 years in the Navy. (laughs) So I don't want to sleep on the ground anymore. I don't want to sleep on rocks. I've, I've done that for, for work, you know, sleeping in tents and doing the yut yut thing with backpacks on and all this other stuff and carrying weapons and, you know, playing Marine and stuff like that. I don't want to do that stuff anymore, man. I want to come home at night get a hot shower, grab a cold beer out of the fridge and then just chill in my freaking, in my underwear on the bed, talking about how much fun the ride was. Right. Right. And, uh, and that's basically what I do every night anyways, just throw in some motorcycles and some good friends. And yeah, that sounds like a good time. That is actually kind of what I thought too, after, uh, and it is, it was fun riding, um, with Wiggins, uh, a couple weekends ago when we went camping, we, we found, uh, we used on X, which is a uh, map company mm. and we use their off-road version and it literally doesn't show you any, any streets, any freeways, any, it only shows you off-road. So it was kind of cool to see how much was right out where we were. We headed up toward big bear. Um, and we just cut off on the, uh, we took the canyons through up over and then we hit the, uh, 15, which is, um, which is for anybody that doesn't know, goes from the valley down here um, over the, through the mountains, through the, I guess it's the southern part of the San Gabriels, which connects eventually to the Sierra, Sierra Nevadas. But it cuts over into, that's what goes up to Las Vegas. And the crazy thing is that that's where this freaking San Andreas Fault is. So as mm. you can imagine, like all of the crazy landforms and everything right on the 15, even the 15, if you look at it on a map, you'll notice that, hey, the mountains where Big Bear are, looks like they should join up. If you cut your map up, you could slide them up and it'll join to the mountains where I am. <laughs> and it's because mm. over the years, San Andreas Fault has moved right there. So it's crazy terrain and it's crazy um, uh, where the roads used to go and they've actually moved a little bit and shifted. And we, 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 we stopped there and we jumped off right there onto the dirt and never got on until we hit Big Bear. And so, oh, wow. 
Yeah, it took a little bit and it was really shitty to do actually on my, <laughs> on my bike. It was fun. I was hauling ass at first, but then yeah. when we got into the rocks and stuff and I could just hear them clinking off my case, I thought, hmm, this is going to be great fun. And then I did tip over uh, and I had tipped over over halfway into the thing. So it's like, mm. I, I wish I would have got that out of the way at fr- in the first, but the, the sucky thing was that it bent the clutch lever and it was really hard to, sh- hard oh, to like, yeah. yeah, you need that clutch for riding on dirt, right? So it was really hard to modulate the clutch and it was such a stupid tip over. Um, we talked about it a little bit and I got a little bit on tape, but we were going up a hill and what it doesn't show, the camera angle doesn't really show how steep the hill was, but I, my camera also didn't show me looking back to see where Wiggins was. So I was kind of coasting and Mm. I don't know if I hit it in neutral or a rock had hit it in neutral because there was a bump that we, a little like rain stop bump that I went over and I look back and I see, okay, here comes Wiggins. He was way back there. So then I start to give it throttle and there's nothing happening. And I'm like in neutral. Well, I went to put my foot down. I could have just shifted it into neutral, but my brain's like, no, put your foot down, you know, and the foot, Mm. my foot and the gear shift around the same side of the bike. Right. And like I said, there was about a foot of air between my foot and the ground. Oh, no. So it leaned over and it hit. And then I just couldn't hold 550 pounds up on one leg. And it just, I, it was kind of like a slow set down, you know? And I was like, yeah. oh, shit. And when Wiggins got there, the bike is like laying. This is, again, I don't know if the, if the picture captured this, but the bike is like past halfway, like the, the, the tank was lower than the tires. Um, and oh, I don't, wow. I, yeah. So I don't know if the, cause of the nature of the hill and, and, and it was going uphill or I could have just like turned and like rolled down into the, into the low spot. You know, I could have rolled off the wall down into the, the ditch, but it was also going uphill. So the, <laughs> that wasn't happening either. It just, it just stopped where it was and tipped over. So it really sucked, but, um, lesson learned and, and probably the base camp thing, or even just, um, making Wiggins suffer with me while I rode like a three or four, 400 CC bike through the hills up there. And Hey buddy, you're, you just got to wait for me. You know, I can only do 70 miles an hour. Sorry. You know? <laughs> so yeah, that's, but that's the that's thing, like, you, you know, he, he would have been waiting for you on, on, on whatever the, the pavement stints. But then as soon as you get into the oh, hills, yeah. the 300, you'd just be leaving it behind. Exactly. You know? that's the thing. And it would have been like riding, uh, I mean, the trail was super easy. So on a dirt bike, on a dirt bike, it was super easy. So it's just, you know, if he would have been on his Sportster, he would have been feeling what I'm feeling, you know, five inches of travel and every, every stupid rock, but it was, it was fun. And I I would do it again. And I think this thing, if you're really going to scramble it, you might as well just go for the gold. Like I did. There's a few things I would change, which is like the rear brake placement that turned out to be troublesome. Mm, (laughs) That's a whole different story, but, but yeah, lesson learned. And we, we did pack super light and that's exactly what I wanted to ask you about. Um, when you've gone moto camping, what's your, uh, what's your camping setup like? And, uh, you have any tricks or tips for anybody that's trying to pack light or know what exactly to pack. And especially since you probably had to do it for, you know, like you said, rucking around with in the wilderness, uh, during war games or something. I don't know if there's some light packing tips that you can bring home from the Navy. Yeah. So the big one is, is, um, you know, I always looked for, for multiple utility and whatever I brought with me. Um, so the first time I went moto camping, uh, it was the full on thing. I, I basically used all of my military issue gear. I mean, it was taking up space in my, um, in my garage anyway. So I just, I grabbed it, threw it in some saddlebags and, and took off. So by its very nature, I wouldn't necessarily call it lightweight. The military gear is, is a bit more on the robust side because you know, they got to give it to, to Johnny sailor who 
doesn't know anything and it's got to last and it, it's got to be a little bit stronger. It's definitely gotcha. not like, like backpacker lightness. It, it's medium level lightness, I guess. Um, so I, I would look for utility in everything. The very first time I went, my, my basic thing is I took a military issue canteen. So I had the full, you know, one quart of water canteen, plastic canteen, but it also has the cup and then it has the, um, the stand, the canteen stand. Okay. And then I basically took some, I guess like, uh, sterno lighter fluid things that yeah. I found. Uh, and that's what I use. So I, I, that's what, that's what I used for. And I took, you know, a fork and a spoon, just a regular old fork and a spoon, like dollar store fork and a spoon. And, and there we go. So, you know, it, it carried some water that I could use as water. Uh, it, it, you know, I could use it as a, uh, I could use it to, to brush my teeth with, throw some water in there and, and use it to brush my teeth. I could boil water. And I, I took some of those, you know, camping store, uh, dehydrated meals with me. And then it was funny because I, I did it. I camped at a KOA, so okay, you know, it was it was very light moto camping. It was throwing <laughs> yeah. a tent at a KOA. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, the next day they had a like a, a pancake sausage breakfast at the KOA. So I show up and I'm literally carrying this canteen cup, and, and the guys, you know, you get like one pancake and a couple of sausage, and he's like, "Where's your plate?" And I'm like, "Oh, just throw it in this cup." And he's like, looking at me, strutting. I'm like, "No, no, no, that's fine. Just throw it in the cup." <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, you know, you know, and and when when you're out in the field, so the the thing I did in the military, I was in 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 Navy construction stuff, so I did a lot of you know, field exercises. I, I did field exercises for a unit that I was in. And then I went to another unit where I was now in a training scenario where I was training the people doing field exercises. So I did a lot of field work. And yeah, the biggest thing is, is whatever you have that you bring with you, make sure it can do one or two things if possible. Yeah. You know, so if, if, if the, the canteen cup can hold water, boil water, act as a plate and act as a, you know, a, a toothbrush and shaving cup, Hey, there you go. You got four things in one, in one thing. Uh, that was, that was mainly the big thing. And yeah. I, as a matter of fact, a lot of what I take now as layers for, uh, writing layers is all of my military issue gear that I, that I had left over. So I guess that would be a, another, um, kind of another tip is if you live in a big military town, there's going to be thrift stores and, you know, army surplus stores, army Navy surplus stores all over town. And, Go try to see if you could find some of this stuff. Now, a lot of times the army surplus stores, what I found is that they're selling brand new stuff um, and they're selling it at really expensive prices. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if there's an army surplus store in a, in a military town, go to the Goodwill that's next to the army surplus store. And that's where the real they'll army probably, stuff Yeah, is. that's because that's <laughs> going to have like all the people who just like, hey, because like me, um, you know, I'm, I retired here and, and I, I, I've, gotten rid of a whole bunch of excess uniforms and stuff. So, you know, at, you know, by donating them to Goodwill just to get it out of my house. So, you know, if you, if you find a Goodwill at a, at a military town, you might be able to pick up some, some cold weather gear or some underlayers or something like that, that you could use. Absolutely. There used to be a big old, uh, army surplus store, uh, up from where I am and I don't know where they moved, but you know, that was such a cool place to go in for stuff like this. And, and they also have like, not, not e-tool, specifically but little things like that you you would never guess like hey look there's this shovel that folds up to the size of like my two fingers you know and you just yeah. cook, cook, cook and it's a shovel and yeah i think with um you know with wiggins and 
and Siddons, when we go ride and their biggest thing is like packing food and packing water. And my thing is like, I'll bring water. I'll bring my camelback, uh, you know, but the thing for me is like, man, we're not going out into the wilderness wilderness where we're going to need, I mean, we're going to probably stop two or three miles from a town. We can. Yeah. You're, you're not crossing Mongolia. Yeah, exactly. You know? I mean, you're, you're never too far from a town. I mean, more than likely you're going to be looking for gas along the way anyway. Mm-hmm. So whenever you're stopping for gas, you know, you're stopping for gas, you're grabbing some water, you're grabbing a snack, you're hitting the head, you know, using the bathroom for people that don't speak Navy. Um, you know, and so you're right there and, and, you know, if you think, Hey, wait a minute, um, you know, from here, we're going to head up into the Hills and there might not be anything, but I'm at a gas station. Hey, you know, I'm going to grab beef jerky and a thing of Pringles for dinner tonight. You know, that, that'll be my campfire dinners, beef jerky and Pringles. So you don't need to, you don't need to pack a lot of food. The first time I went moto camping, I did, you know, I, I brought dehydrated meals. I was, I was full on adventure man, you right. know? Um, and, and you know, the advent, the, the dehydrated stuff that, that it sucks. It's terrible. I also, I also took like, uh, I stripped down some MREs and, and took some MRE stuff with me. Um, and you know, MREs will, 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 they'll keep you alive. And, and after, after a few years of eating MREs, because you have to, you, you kind of become like an MRE gourmet, you know, yeah. how to, you had <laughs> to make to like put an together. MRE cheeseburger out <laughs> yeah, of a, you, you know, go. a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And, <laughs> you know, the jalapeno cheese sauce is always, the jalapeno cheese sauce goes, is pretty good. That's, that's something yeah. that's fun. Could um, that so, you know, that, that's what I did. And I, but yeah, I, I had a whole lot of thought and weight yeah. into food. The next time when I took the FC one with my buddy, when we went, so that time I didn't even take a tent. I took a bivy sack. So I took a tarp and a bivy sack yeah. and I literally slept out under the stars, you know, yeah. in a bivy sack on a tarp. And in weather like this, it's possible. Like it's about 700, 800 degrees here right now. And it's possible. Uh, I wouldn't recommend going camping or even riding to ride right the second, but yeah. but yeah, that's totally doable. Especially if you're not going to have to worry about nighttime temperatures dropping down is, is one of my things. I see a lot of people doing the crazy tents that they have that hooks onto your bike and then it pulls down and you stake it to the ground and then you just lie under it in your sleeping bag or whatever. If you're not scared of snakes or mice coming in your sleeping bag with you, which I don't think most anybody is, but yeah, that's an awesome way to do it. And that's super, uh, super, um, space saving, you know, like Wiggins has his cot that folds up really tiny, but it cost him like 300 bucks. Uh, he's got a tent that folds up to the size of my fist, but again, that was like probably a hundred bucks, you know, where all my stuff was like 20, 30 bucks and I'm doing just fine. You know, my stuff packs almost as small as his. I carry everything in two saddlebags. I could probably jam everything in a backpack actually. Yeah. Um, and yeah, did just fine. And, um, yeah, I think that that's, that's the thing is that if you're not going over landing, yeah, you don't need to pack like you're, like you said, no. going you're, like you're going to be in the middle of the Mongolian desert waiting for, you know, hunting food. <laughs> so. Yeah, my buddy and I, so we, we ended up compromising. We did the first night was adventure, uh, an adventure style. So we went camp and then the second night was going to be uh, at a hotel. So we were going to, you know, sport tour it. So, you know, he's got these, this, this KTM 1190 with, with these gigantic, you know, aluminum saddlebags. So yeah. he had a full on like a four man tent with a, with a queen sized air mattress. So, you know, there we are in the middle of the woods and, and adventure boy over there on his KTM 1190s, you know, pumping up an 11, uh, 
pumping up in a queen sized air mattress yeah. using an air pump plugged into his <laughs> yeah. thing. And I'm on the FZ one and I'm pulling out like a tarp and a bivy sack. Yeah. And I literally like laid on the ground under the stars yeah. uh, in these mountains. You're and forging, you know, you're, you're like foraging for a pine needle pillow and he's over yeah. there with his like mosquito net and like the, <laughs> well, the funny thing goes is when we got down off the mountain the next morning, we, we got, you know, a hundred feet from the campground and he's like, Hey man, I got a flat tire. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, do you have a pump? I'm like, yeah, uh, I do. So here we are. Like I had to strip down my whole bike. I had to strip down my FZ one street bike so I could pull out my, my little, uh, slime, uh, pump. Gotcha. And pump up the adventure boys tire. Um, I'm just like, yeah, adventure, you know, here, here yeah. we are street bike, you know, street bike guys camping under the stars and, and, you know, pumping up the tires and, uh, adventure bike guy is, uh, you know, queen size air mattresses in a four man tent. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. You know, and our dinner, you know, kind of go back to the food thing. Our dinner that night is we stopped at a local market and we bought cheese, salami, uh, beer. And then he had a flask of whiskey. And so we got up to the campground. He put up his tent and his, his thing. I laid out my sleeping bag. You know, we splashed some water on our face, uh, from our canteens. Cause they just had the, uh, you know, the, whatever the, the, the vault toilets there. Yeah. Oh yeah. You don't want to splash water on your face from there for sure. No, 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 no. Stay out of the vault toilet. The water's, uh, if it's blue, you know, keep it off you. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll call it that. Um, but, you know, we, we just sat there, just sat there, you know, having just sitting there, just reliving the ride in our minds, just eating salami, drinking beer yeah. and whiskey. And then it was like, night, dude, night. And then we just went to bed and That's then woke up life. the next morning and we just, you know, lit out on the road. And, um, yeah, it was a great time. I, yeah, as much as I, I kind of maybe poo-pooed the, uh, the, the, the moto camping or adventure bike ride, and you got to do it at least once. Yeah. Um, you know, just even if it's just to go have fun and go, you know, that was great. It sucked, but I smiled and I'm yeah. never going to do it again. Or you might find out that, Hey man, get rid of the street bikes. You know, I'm going to go full climb gear and GSA adventure. And I'm going to do the, you know, I'm going to do moto camping everywhere I go. Yeah. And, and having done it a few times, uh, I'm down for riding the street the whole way there. I'm down for a little bit of light off road there. And, uh, as long as I, you know, my, my biggest fear was popping a tire too, cause I don't carry spare tubes. I should, I should, I guess I should at least carry a, like a tube patch kit or something, but so far so good on this old beast, just picking my lines and not running over any, any, uh, rocks that look like daggers. But something that you mentioned, which is the flask of whiskey, that seems to be a very common item to pack on a moto camping too. So, uh, well, you yeah. know, especially when you're as old as dirt like we are, uh, mm-hmm. it, it helps. It helps you. Uh, it helps you ease ease into the night. You know, oh, yeah. after a day of uh, beating yourself up, wrestling 500 pound street bikes over baby <laughs> exactly. head rocks. You know, exactly helps you forget the soreness in the shoulders and the stiffness in the legs for sure. Yeah. It sometimes helps your stories get a little better before bed too. So it's true. It's true. <laughs> well, hey man, we've been we've been blabbing for an hour. I tricked you into. I said, come on for 12 minutes, and yeah. uh, it's been an hour. <laughs> and um, I'm so glad that you're back um, from Japan. That the recordings. I never knew, you know, how many days you were ahead over there. I think I think it's less than one day but it's pretty close still an alternate time zone an alternate space-time continuum exactly exactly and uh i can't wait to talk to you again next time you come on we'll have to talk about um bonneville because after the bonneville episode came out you were pretty uh you were pretty excited and you you shared some stuff so we'll talk about bonneville and also the i want to bring call back to you know, the first few minutes we got chatting and your small bikes. And actually that I, I think I found, have a brand new love for 
for small displacement bikes. And after Joe's uh, mini bike reunion this year, I think I, I might add something to the stable. And oh. I, I don't know what it's going to be yet, but I, but I have an idea. So, but yeah, I'm ex- yeah. We'll be excited to talk, talk with you about, you know, all your, yeah, cub, the, the cub scars stuff. of losing my little cub have mm-hmm. finally healed a little bit. So I can, I can talk about it without breaking into breaking down into tears. Uh, yeah, man. I so I, I want to move my, my heart and soul like that too. So I, I think I might have something similar to that coming up, but yeah, I'm going to, we'll take a quick break. We'll get back into some creative writing and Matt, uh, Keep this recording set up uh, handy. I think I think you're you're balanced on one leg, spinning a basketball with the <laughs> the microphone set up on a on a uh, makeshift pizza box table in the uh, back of your fruit cellar or something. I forget I forget the setup, but it's close to that. I know it's close. Yeah, man, it's it's exactly you, you nailed it right there. But you Sweet. know, it, it's all for the craft. It's all for the content, right? Yeah, yeah. And I hope people appreciate the amount of work that it took just to get your voice into this uh, machine. So thank you again. And uh, we'll check back with you in a little bit and we'll get some some more content together. And we'll have to yak about Bonneville and little bikes and maybe little bikes at Bonneville. Who knows? Ooh, nice. Yeah, man. I can't I can't <laughs> wait to talk again. Uh, great to great to be back in the States and great to be uh, back in, in roughly the same space-time continuum. So uh, exactly. good to talk to you. Awesome. Well, hey, don't melt as uh, we are here on the melt on the melt coast, on the left coast. And I'll talk to you in a few. All right. Take it easy, man. <laughs> Bye. Right, as you can hear, maybe I hope you don't hear this echo. But as you can hear, yes, Wiggins is on a 950 KTM 950, not a 690. You know, all these damn KTM numbers. What do they mean? And I hope you enjoyed the moto camping episode. There was not a whole lot of gear reviews, there was not a whole lot of um, we did this and we did that, other than the ride that we went on up Claghorn canyon waterfall pass road dirt trail um hey if you want to check us out on patreon we're going to post wiggins and mine whole camping trip audio up there it's like an hour and some odd thing you know it always ends up on harley davidson flat tracking and how they've done it wrong so we're going to stick that up on patreon uh everybody there it'll be like a whole uh, patron only episode for our five dollar and up patrons uh, if you want to support the show, head over to patreon.com. If you're a brand new patron, we throw out some stickers, and then every yeah, six months or so, we make some new designs and throw them out to everybody. So be on the lookout for uh, your new stickers if you join up. And then every six or so, six or so months after that. Um, yeah, everybody, have a good one. Have a great weekend. Uh, the temps have really dropped. It's been in the 80s now. Uh, for the last couple days and uh, raining so that's kind of been interesting Um, so we need it we love it and at least it's not we're not in the triple digits anymore baking we'll see what next week brings so uh, everybody in the meantime we maybe make get back to riding and casting some more resin throwing some more fiberglass if it stays cool like this Um, so yeah take it easy and uh, peace grease tell your niece to um, your niece Clarice to I don't know, guys. We need some new ones of these. If anybody's got any catchphrases, email them to us at creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com. And go check out last week's guest, Pine Drop, Rebecca Prop, and uh, check out her art, her motorcycle lifestyle up there in Toronto. And, uh, yeah, have a great week. We'll talk to you all later. Bye, fart faces. Bye.